I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. It's that time of the week again. The Rugby League rant, fifth and last. Put on your headgear, chuck in your mouth guard and get ready for an hour of nothing but NRL talk. back for another week of the fifth and last NRL podcast. Boxhead, how you doing? Yeah, all good. All good. Good uh, round of football. Couple of surprising results. A few blowouts. One huge result and uh, a great day yesterday for Anzac Day as it always is on the rugby league calendar. Yeah, it was. Good day. Yep. In the SCG members, it was um, it was good. Yep. Close tussle. Good game. Um, and again, hope everyone, as we said, had a good long weekend. Hope you got out. If you had the chance to pay your respects at a dawn service or get down an RSL, play some two-up. I'm sure plenty of people, after a couple of years, have not been able to enjoy themselves. I've seen some funny videos, as I'm sure you did, of some two-up and some venues that were bumping yesterday, which is good. Mm. Um, and a thank you if we have anyone out there who listens to the show who has served or is serving currently. We thank you for your service. And um as was said by a lot of people yesterday, it was a really good atmosphere. It's, you know, for those who have sacrificed that we get to watch games of football and have a beer and enjoy ourselves on a day like Anzac Day. Yeah. So, huge thank you um, to everybody out there, past, present, who have served. But let's jump straight into our set of six, six topics, opinions, anything we want to talk about. And uh, I don't spend a lot of time on this one, but after a couple of weeks, where I thought things were pretty good. It's crept back in across the weekend in two regards. That's the decisions on the HIAs and then the Sinbin. Um, a lot of people a bit confused uh, in terms of Aaron Penne, Daniel Tupo. I know Anthony Griffin in particular was pretty aggressive in his press conference about what happened at Magic Round last year, and if you did what Tupo did, you'd end up in jail. Ola Kowatu got sin-binned. Some people thought that Tupo or Pane should have been sin-binned. <clears throat> Nenai for that throwing tackle. So we have a bit of inconsistency come back in there. And then the other one was the HIA situation. A lot of people would have spotted Tamalolo um, to what is supposedly, again, under those new guidelines, what would have been definitely a head assessment at minimum, not having to go off. And then you've had other ones like Starling gets a bit of an innocuous bump, was up straight away. There was no real signs. Ponga whether he played possum a little bit or copped a little bit of the leg, but I think people were a little bit irritated on the weekend, so I hope it doesn't creep back in. And the town of all those ones, well. Yeah, that's the one I just mentioned. People were confused about the other two as to why they were checked, and then you've got town of all those where nothing even came of it. So Again, like, are we going to argue about consistency? Yeah. Was... We're never going to get it. The, the issue is we just keep bringing in different rules, adding more layers that need to be policed. My only big thing out of this that I wanted to bring up, and it was more the reference that Anthony Griffin made, with Magic Round two weeks away, I hope, again, that these comments and these things that are coming out don't have an impact like they did last year because they essentially ruined Magic Round with what they did. Um, we had a few weeks ago where they were starting to talk about the Ruck stuff and they weren't happy there and there wasn't enough sin bins. We didn't really see a reaction, and I'm glad we didn't. 
but I hope from this we don't see something rear its head again. But Tupo now has been suspended. Uh, he took an early guilty plea. I think he got a week. Olakowatu, I think at the time, the way that one panned out, he got binned. That was fair enough. He's got a week. Uh, I think Aaron Penne, I'm pretty sure, got a week as well. Very shot on Remus Smith. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the time, yeah, I think some people were a bit perplexed at, that that wasn't put in the sin either. But again, consistency in rugby league. Hard to get at times, but let's pray, especially if you are attending Magic Round, or hopefully we'll get there in the next couple of years for the whole round, um, that we don't see a repeat of that. Cause You're not going to see a repeat of that. First man. thing crept in my head when no Anthony Griffin started going on about it again. I was like, oh, please, God, don't, don't mention Magic Round again from last year. That was horrendous. Look, I've got to be honest, I, I might be the only person in the world that I... I didn't think there was much in the Tupo one. I, I thought it come up off the ball. It didn't. It didn't look great. But I mean, is that is that really a week? Well, I, think- I, 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 yeah, okay. If that's if that's where we're going to, like, you could see that from the reaction of Ravalawa. Like Ravalawa knew it was a mistake. Like I'm not condoning the contact with the head. No, but I think I just people like are saying- we're suspending players. He probably more got suspended because. He didn't get penalised or sin bin on the field. I think the bigger point is there's always a knee jerk reaction. It's like what like, sit, sit players down for intentional yeah. acts of foul play. Yeah, Everything people, else just people get the shits because people have been sin bin for last. Yeah, or I, under, for I understand that, and, and I, don't, game, I don't like that. That that's where the game is. Yeah. I think it's ridiculous. And I think the bigger thing that got a lot of people as well. I think James Graham. I think I heard in the south. You're never going to play a contact sport where there's not going to be contact with the head. My the issue that we really need to rub out is where it's intentional. Mm. Well, I thought James well, Graham made a fair point this afternoon, and he goes, "You know what? If he would have stayed down, which he didn't, and full credit to him, yeah, he probably would have got what he was looking for." He goes, "But I'm glad that he did stand up, and I'm happy that Ravalov stood up as well." Yeah, because in those other situations where we talk about missing a HIA, where you know Tamalolo bounces straight to his feet, the Ponga one, he seemed bothered when he got taken off, but at the same time when he got pushed, he almost played possum straight away when he hit the deck. So by definition of the rule, they're probably going, oh, well, you can come off then. Mm. So if you're playing possum, I have no problem with them taking you off for the HIA. But when you miss one, like the Tamalolo situation or the Starling one sort of got me, I think I, watching it with someone was sort of saying, oh, it looked like he copped a bit of a leg or he got his head in a bad spot. There was no indicators there that there was any, you know, signs of trauma or whatever, and he was surprised as well. But, um, yeah, let's just hope these things don't rear their head for that excellent weekend. But moving straight on to tackle two, we talked about some coaches and some situations that clubs last week, but one that certainly reared its head uh, after the weekend is the Newcastle Knights. They started 2-0, and uh, round three, when they went down to 12 men. They were very brave and put in an absolute bucket load of effort against the Penrith Panthers, but since then, five losses in a row. They're heading into the Melbourne Storm this week. They've had the shit storm that was the Ponga situation and that press conference last week, and the way that was handled, in my opinion, quite honestly, by the club. is just embarrassing. Um, but where, where to now for Adam O'Brien? Like he, he said sorry the other day. Looking at it, I've, I said last week, they've got some injuries and they've got some guys missing, sure, but they've still got Brazil, Clemmer, Safidi, Gagai. Like they've still got some pretty quality players on the field. They shouldn't be getting towed up and not scoring a single try at home. On oh, Old Boys Day as well, wasn't it? Was it Old Boys uh, Day? I don't think it was Old Boys Day, but I think that... Yeah, it was horrible. Their performances have been nothing short of horrible since the start of the year. You know, they started well, but this is probably more what, you know, I expected from them in the preseason when we predicted that they'd slide because I think they are lacking troops. They they let quality players go and didn't replace them, really. The level of their performance 
he's just not up to first grade standard. He's Adam O'Brien was spot on in everything he said, and Parramatta exposed him. He exposed some experienced players. I thought Dane Gagai. There was a few tries scored down that edge that shouldn't really have been scored. So struggling for not only performances from everyone, but from experienced players, and he's probably now looking just for some consistency of performance, which is a hard thing to get when you're. You know, you're down on confidence and you're losing games. I think the other thing as well, like when we bring up that Panthers game, I think he touched on himself. In a situation like that, we saw that effort, we saw that energy on the on the weekend. Yeah, but that's okay. It that, was just you need it every week. Yeah, I know, and that's the point. I think he's making out regardless of what troops he got on the field. The, their goal line defense and how they were particularly on there was not even close to first grade standard. I don't know how early Dan Gagai uh, ended up fracturing his cheekbone. That's been confirmed now that he played the whole game with a fractured cheekbone. Yeah. So whether that led to him being a bit gun-shy. But the two weeks prior, he'd had some pretty hard games as well. Talakai, obviously, he's given everyone a bath. But I think against him, he missed seven or eight tackles. And um, the last few weeks in general, I know like troop size, like we said, Braley's obviously a big loss. Letting Pierce go was always going to hurt. I think Heimel Hunt returned on the weekend, maybe in the lower grades, and is injured again. But... Some other guys they've had in that are out. We know that Barnett, his situation suspended. Uh, but Matt Croker, they gave a few games. Fitzgibbon, Momosia, Brody Jones hurt his elbow on the weekend. They've had a lot of guys in and out. But overall, I'm still sitting there going, Frizzell, Clamour, the Safidis. Like, I, I still expect probably a bit more with what they've got. Bradman Best, we're waiting with all these injuries and all this talk. It's It's been a couple of years now. You, you need more out of certain players. So I didn't see it spiralling as quick as it did. Um, in terms of, like I said... Just things in general the last few weeks and all that noise and people saying, oh, it doesn't affect you, it doesn't affect you. Well, I'm glad they clarified that situation. They've got it sorted. They've got the clauses out of it. They've got Kalen Ponga locked in. But with the way that all was handled and his dad there at the press conference and that whole situation, I wonder now looking at it if this is going to be the right decision for Newcastle moving forward. Yeah, I don't think it is. Yeah. I sort of looked at that and thought, fuck, if that's, if that's so the way got, things... he's got an upgrade on his current contract, is that right? I think basically... All and I don't cl- think he's probably... Uh, if not, he's around on similar money, but five years, guaranteed money, like a million plus, you know, probably some TPAs. Like, but there's more the whole way it was handled, the way they got to call the shots, you know, the whole dad's at the press conference, he's the manager. I was like, this is a bit... You just don't see that. I've never seen that before. No, it's I weird. can't remember... I know, like, a parent's a bit of a different situation, but that almost seems exactly like we were saying the other week, that the the Ponga side of things is just completely leading the club. Um, mm. But, yeah, I'm looking at the Newcastle situation right now. I look at Adam O'Brien on the weekend, and I'm thinking, how does this end come the end of this season? I don't know the finals of the last two years. If they do end up bottom two, wooden spoon somewhere around there, and they don't have a whole lot coming in for next season, what does that look like? Well, it just it looks like a cycle. It just they're going around in circles in Newcastle. Mm. So interesting. It's uh, it's spiraled out of control very quickly. The, the issue with Newcastle is development. Where are all their good young players pushing through? Well, they went through a, a sort of a decent cycle there, and they got some guys in. But yeah, off when, the back of it, where? Well, both Who are the, they? both the Safidis come through. That's not too bad. They've mm-hmm. had some others that pushed in. You had Best push in. Yeah, they've pushed in cross yeah, on a couple done? other guys they've, that haven't really kicked on. Brody Jones is a junior, like they're not. Yeah, I, I just think the Newcastle's last Newcastle was a football factory. Mm-hmm. And that production line, for whatever reason, seems to have ceased. So they need to get that production line rolling again. 
Mm. Well, and that's going to help underpin the recruits you get to your club. He, Newcastle at the moment, I think, uh, you know, they're spending their top top end money all right. Like they're able to attract a Ponga, attract a Gagai. You know, they have, they attracted yeah, a Bradley, piece. They got yeah, piece. like all that. It's it's more the players underneath that that underpin it that are the most important ones, and they're often the ones that give you cap relief as well for guys like Ponga, for guys like Gagai. But they're just not getting that relief at the moment. Feel I feel like they they need to constantly recruit. Which which is a, a big issue. Yeah, same issue that you know Canberra having Gold Coast are having, they're having to go and pay players, um, and look externally. Whereas you you know your stronger clubs, the the teams that are always in that top four, to top six, they seem to have that constant trickle of development coming through. So, yeah, for whatever reason, I think that's that's playing a part in Newcastle as well. Yeah, well, also the two year, last two years certainly hurt everyone's development. On top of that, some guys. Um, yeah, yeah, I'm not saying that's completely it, but it's also hindered that sort of process. They got things somewhat back on track. They had good junior results for a few years, but yeah, in terms of what's actually pushed through between Best and a few of those guys, some have made it to first grade, but they haven't exactly turned out so far to be like you're saying that rep quality standard. Or that Penrith standard, those kind of guys they're looking at going, we're going to get a decade plus out of these guys. It's not even Penrith standard, it's more just the trickle through. You know what I mean? Getting guys through that you're looking at going, oh, he's bona fide first grade. There's a lot of guys coming in and out or that seem to be more fringe first graders than what they are genuine quality first graders. So whether that's, again, a lapse in the sort of development, are they targeting keeping the right ones? Even the situation of, you know, what we talk about, um, you know, investing your time in there and Getting those guys through, certainly, like I said, the last two years would, would have put a hurt on that because they had a couple of guys, I think, especially SG Ball a few years ago, that they had big raps on that I, I haven't seen their names at all. Probably many of them in well, New South the, Wales Cup. That's the point. So that's what I'm talking about as well. That last two years certainly hurts, but uh, yeah, I think overall, if they go through this whole cycle again where if this year ends badly and they had an extra under pressure and they don't have a lot coming in and, and other coaches up on the chopping block, you know, that's that's another thing about the Kalen Ponga situation. You invest heavily in somebody that's essentially, you know, not really delivered on what you've put into him so far. You obviously need help around him as well. Yeah. You've lost Pierce, Bradley hasn't been healthy. It's gonna take more than Kalen Ponga to try and get yourself not only being a consistent finals team, which they've been the last two years, but to turn into a premiership contender. Yeah. So I hope they're happy with that decision. But yeah, the acid's certainly gone on after a positive few weeks to start the season with plenty of doubt around them. But tackle three, uh, we sort of touched on it last week, but after this round, Storm and Panthers certainly made statements again um, and looking across the comp very, very early. But I think we sort of talked about this on the drive back yesterday. I think the scary part is when you look at teams, you know that Cronulla's got improvement. The Roosters, you're waiting to see, which, you know, so far I'm still a little bit disappointed and do have some genuine worry. You look at other teams and did they get much more people on board? Have they got a lot of room for improvement? What Penrith have done, basically recreating their left edge, finding these guys to take up the minutes on the bench, and the fact that they won their first three games without Nathan, rolled Nathan back in, now have a situation where they're probably going to end up with Crichton and Toto on the right after they started on the left, and you found May and Tager. Roll out Sony Luke yesterday, who they're obviously looking at for their potential hooking future, a junior that they had in their system, let go of, sort of brought back into the fold, and are now looking clearly towards the future and what they're going to get out of him uh, on the attacking side of the ball, particularly as compared to a Mitch Kenny. Um, the fact that To'o, Laota still aren't back, 
I look at them and what they're doing and just think, well, wow, it's a really, really good situation to be in, obviously. And Melbourne, on the same side of things, started the year with a couple of players missing, had guys sort of in and out. Still talk about the Tarek Sim situation. He really wants to come. He's requested two more releases. I think it'd be more a back end of the year thing if the Dragons look like they're done and dusted and Storm have a cap situation. They're still waiting on Tui Kamika Mika. Um, and on the same token there, if they get a couple of those guys to roll back in on top of what they've got and developing these new combinations with Coates um, and Meany getting some game time now and the way the spine's coming together, I think these two teams right now, scarily enough, not only do they stand out, but they've still got so much room for improvement. They sure do, yeah. I think they they won all, all three grades, Penrith by 30 or I think 40 or so, yeah, it's just, it was a smackdown. And, yeah, they're flying. Melbourne and Penrith are flying at the moment. But we've seen teams come out like this to start seasons and fall away. But you look at even the depth of both Melbourne and Penrith, as you've said, they've had to use a significant amount of players outside of what would normally probably be their top 17. And they're still getting good results. So that that's the ominous and scary thing for the rest of the competition. Mm. But it, it looks like a racing two at the moment. I'd probably throw Cronulla and, and Parramatta in there. We've seen yeah, Cronulla and Parramatta right compete. So the challenge for them is going to be beating one of these sides in a knockout game. That That's going to be the challenge. Yeah. And we know that Melbourne and Penrith have got great experience in those scenarios. So I guess that's really going to be the challenge for everyone. Mm. The Roosters look a fair way off what I guess we all expected them to, to be this year. Uh, and and probably outside those five, I can't really see anyone else challenging for the title this year. So yeah, if you're talking about a race in five, then yeah, anyone outside that five would genuinely shock me. And I think it's to that point again, like and and probably anyone outside Penrith and Melbourne would really shock me. Literally, blooding debutantes and almost seamlessly transitioning is the scary part. Yeah, but Sony, then, like Sony, was a part of that development system that I, I worked with for a long time. Man, like Tago's a nineteen-year-old kid, ball, ball, twenties, twenties, and then for whatever reason, uh, you know, they sort of went in another direction. He was playing this time last year. He was playing Ron Massey Cup for St Mary's. We well, spent one year at the Tigers. Country. I know that. Yeah, played City Country played for. City Country for the New South Wales Rugby League, Ron Massey Cup rep side, and then, yeah, obviously COVID pulled the pin, and this season earned himself, uh, um, I think it was a trend trial deal. Yeah, now and he's then top now squad, he's top squad. So that's, it's a fantastic result for Sony, obviously, individually, but also just for anyone out there who's chipping away, just a bit of persistence, because he was always... Yeah, he's one of the first picked when when I was coaching in the twenties. There, he's Mister Reliable. So it's yeah, it's just a good story. I think all around. Well, I think it's and he's a good player. I think he's, he's I think he's a first grader. It's a good thing to come back around to the fact that there was some things internally early doors again a little bit about size and that not looking at football and ability. Yeah. I think he sort of fell under that mantra, which is not really ideal. But with someone like Ivan coming back in the way they're playing right now, I don't think that's a factor. Yeah, I think they're willing to find ways around that and. Certainly from what you saw on the weekend in that one play, which we'll talk about when we do the game review, um, I think that alone shows the vision and the attack and what they kind of see there, which they're probably not going to get out of a Mitch Kenny moving forward. So they're going to need somebody there. Why they work out internally, is this a long-term option? Can we play with two? Is there someone coming in behind, whether it be a Riley Smith who's 
Australian schoolboys, this, that, and the other. Connor Mason, who's playing in the 20s. Is there someone else we've got here? Do we need to go to market? But for right now, I honestly think their best option, and they've realised it themselves, was sitting right under their nose. Mm. And they've brought him into the fold and probably got really good value on that contract for the next two years, if we're being honest. Absolutely. Because if you get him yeah. right now after you know working full-time and slugging away for four or five years and you lock him in, if you can get sort of a balance there, even if it is a dual hooker system moving forward, um, you know, they've got a pretty solid spine all around him, so they, they can kind of work through those kinks moving forward. But like you said, both have rolled through some players like Melbourne having to use McDonald, who we talked about, a kid that played 20s and maybe two games of Q Cup, and suddenly he got five or six starts for the Storm. Yeah. Moroa working his way back. Chris Lewis, who's been there for a couple of years, plugging away. Wishart getting a debut round one. Um, again, People question depth and players moving out of both of these clubs, but guys just seem to come in, do a job, and fit in seamlessly. So, yeah, scary to think, but we'll see how that plays out. And in all honesty, I haven't looked at the draw, but I, I think Penrith could almost get to the origin period undefeated. They've got the Titans this weekend. Yeah, I'm just not sure who's going to. Parramatta's a hard game after that, and that, that's sort of the run where I think we'll see that they've got Parramatta on the back of that into the Storm in Magic Round into the Roosters. So they've got a treble of games coming up, but. Um, if, if they get through those two in particular, I know there's time there for, obviously, the uh, the Roosters to, to keep working on what they're doing. But if they play the Panthers the way they're playing right now, they, I don't think they come in close to playing against the Panthers or beating the Panthers. Yeah. Storm, Eels, great litmus test after the way they've started uh, the season, after they played the Titans this weekend. But uh, if I honestly think they could get to the origin period, maybe 10-2, and two, something like that. That'd be outstanding. And it puts you in a position like last year to do what they did, where he was able to rest those guys and be calm, and they still almost jagged a few results. And then you get things firing back up the back end of the season if you have heavy representation and try and kick on towards the finals. So uh, good signs from the Panthers. But tackle four, talking about one of those teams we just mentioned, and it is the Roosters. I know Robinson was on 360 the other week and talked about, you know, we need probably six to eight to ten weeks, and you're going to see some prove month on month. But... Within that, you know, he's saying that he's got guys in the positions he wants and he's just going to persist with and all that. I've seen changes already, though. I've seen edges flip. I've seen changes in the halves. There's been different center-wing combinations and the edges they play on. We've seen three different number nines play through. Then Tedesco had a press conference today. Essentially, I wouldn't say he's having a shot at Luke Keery, but mainly trying to signal out that Luke Keery's job now is sort of to be that dominant seven and allow him and Walker to probably be more the creators or play off the back of that and play some eyes up football. And you watch them so far. I think their middles have done the job that we'd expect them to do. They play very, very sideways and it's honestly been clunky all seven games. I don't even think in that good little manly period there where they jagged a couple of tries and had some positive on the defensive side of thing where I've really sat there so far and thought, okay, this looks a bit fluid. This looks like they know what they're doing. Their attack is completely disjointed. Yeah, they're playing corner post footy. Side to side, there's, as you said, the middles aren't really winning the, the play of the ball. Yeah, I don't know whether they're just trying to do too much. They're trying to play a certain style that they're not earning the right to play. They're not winning the middle of the field. They're not kicking the front door down. It's, yeah, just making it extremely difficult. I, I'm not in love with how Kiri or Walker are playing, to be fair. Yeah, I think there's been a lot made of... I think James Tedesco is carrying an injury, quite clearly. And they're just... They're making fundamental errors. Like, they're... 
dropping a lot of footy and pushing a lot of passes and they, they look clunky and frustrated and not at a hundred percent I would say and, and they're struggling for patience, I think, as well. Discipline. It was very unroosters like that performance yesterday. Yeah, I I think they'd be right up there when you're talking about team stuff in terms of, you know, completions and error rates like I think yesterday they're about sixty something percent a lot of the games I've watched. That's been the case. I don't think there's many games where I've generally sat there and I thought, yep, they're winning the middle or they're on top here. Um, defensively, even at times. That's one thing they've always been, at least their bread and butter when they're working through these tough periods. I don't think their defense has been quite as good as what it's been in years past. And that, that was probably the cornerstone of everything. Mm. You look at those games where we talk about it and we go, they've made 10 plus errors, given away 10 penalties, but they just always backed themselves off their defense. Um, at the moment, I'm not, not saying the defensive effort's not there, but I don't think it's quite what it has been all around, but all those other aspects off the back of it. Um, yeah, they're just they're not quite coming through just yet. So you got to have full faith. He's a really good coach. It is a very good team, and I understand that things would take time. But you'd think after seven games, you'd see a little bit more than what we have. Yeah. And I think that's the alarming thing. And then again, to see Satilli and Crichton swap edges, and he's gone butcher to start, and Crichton off the bench, which like I said the other week, is that to try and get leg speed and an extra middle because he's not getting what he needs out of those guys. Mm-hmm. Um, he hasn't called on Renoff for Tony, who I thought when they brought him over for sure. He'd be part of that rotation. Like Lindsay Collins has been underwhelming, which is understandable. Like he was never the most mobile guy; he's pretty straight up and down person. But he's off an ACL. Maybe it would have been better off giving him a month to six weeks in cup just to build some confidence and get some minutes back in. And um, you know, Jared and those guys coming off big years. Tokyo's come off some injuries. Robinson pretty much all but confirmed he's on his way to Catalan, I think, which hasn't been announced. But he pretty much said that on three sixty the other week. Just their middles. There's just something he needs to give. I don't know if that starts things off if they have a little bit more momentum to play direct and dig in a little bit more rather than this side to side. But even Kiri, off the back of a couple of bad years injury-wise, just confidence in this seven role and I guess trying to find that balance of being the one who steers the ship a little bit more like Kronk did for him when he was the guy picking his moments. Um, yeah, I just thought they'd be a little bit further along in the process. Don't exactly expect, like I said, them to be beating Melbourne or Penrith, but I thought you'd want to see a little bit more considering we're only a few weeks away from this whole period again where we know Origin's going to come, Tedesco's going to go. There'll be probably a couple other guys in their team that are considered despite form, like a Crichton will definitely be considered despite the way he's played this year. So that's going to take away again from your development of your spine for a few weeks and how you play. Um, but yeah, I wouldn't say alarm bells are ringing, but I'm, I'm getting a little bit worried from what yeah, I've seen. Alarm so bells aren't ringing, but they're, yeah, they're a long way off where they need to be. Mm. So that's definitely... Something uh, that popped up, but tackle five, and a good thing for both these clubs, in particular one who's been getting hounded, but the Tigers, they go back-to-back against two big teams two weeks in a row, and a lot of fans, I got messages, one of my best friends is a, a diehard Tigers fan, and he sent through basically the only thing I was going to say, losing is one thing, but effort is another. And I think the last two weeks in particular, it's just been a difference in effort. And when you're in games and you're there, and you are trying and you're busting your backside, you may not win all the time, but you put yourself in the frame to win. Yep. And like the Parramatta game where we saw them get frustrated and try and score off every play and the Tigers just don't go away and they hang around. And then again on the weekend, they just hung around. They were annoying. They defended so much better. Their pack was a lot better. I think what you've seen between their halves uh, and that combination out of Hastings has got there has freed everyone up so much more. But 
South similar deal. Come out, make double digit errors. That's the thing. The go, go look at the error count for both Parramatta and South mm. against the Tigers. And I'm not trying to take away anything that no. the Tigers have done. But though those two teams have absolutely torched themselves. So I um I'll believe in the Tigers once we can see them them have the blowtorch put on them and withstand some pressure as well. I think really they've they've played against two sides that have just torched themselves and they've been able to sort of overcome and get enough possession and score enough points to to win both those games. Um, look, I thought they they should have definitely beaten the Gold Coast. That was a game that they I thought they dominated every minute of that game. Uh, and they got some terrible luck with the kick off the post. Uh, but, you know, to win these these last two, I think that's a bit of the footy god smiling down for a couple of the games that they probably could have won earlier. They, they should have beaten the Warriors out at Campbelltown when they went down to 10 men and they just couldn't find a way. So there's, you know, there's a world there where the Tigers have won four games. Um, yeah, I, look, I think they've certainly turned certainly turned a corner. I think Jackson Hastings has made a huge, huge difference. Huge difference. But I, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'm just wary of going too far the other way with the Tigers at the moment. I think there's nah. a lot of celebrating around the Tigers, and there's a lot of back slapping. And but I'm not know, trying. The NRL is a grind, and the, you know you're going to get you're going to turn up this week. They play. I think they play St George this week. Yeah. You know, St George were gritty and grafty and completed fairly high. Uh, well, not fairly high. Yes, they but they certainly completed better than what the um, Roosters and uh, and the West Tigers' last two opponents have. So, yeah, they're, they're two fantastic wins. It's great for the club to to win some games and sort of head in the right direction. But, yeah, the challenge is going to be beating good sides when they play well. I think we could both probably agree that uh, Seattle yeah, and the Parramatta didn't play well. I'm still trying I guess to give the some impact. credit as well. Though, the fact no, that I, I'm their giving them full credit. Their energy's there. And again. But I, want, I really want to see them come up with that sort of play and those sort of wins when the other team doesn't have double-digit errors and really puts it to them. I think that's when you can say that they're, they're a legitimate contender to be you know considered a potential top-eight team. Oh, I'm not going anywhere near that. I'm just saying that fundamentally... Well, no, I, sort of, I see enough footy in them to think you know, they could potentially finish in the bottom of the eight. Yeah, I don't. But I just, I just um, think fundamentally... Potentially, I said. I said potentially. But when you see... The error counts and the way that the other teams are played, you sort of go, well, yeah, I'm not, I'm not convinced. That's mm. what I'm saying. Beat some yeah. teams that are, you know, at full tilt, playing well, and then you can, you can sort of insert yourself into that conversation. Yeah, I'm just more saying there's two teams that are considered top eight teams, one potentially a premiership threat, and I think a big part of it, despite error counts, also comes down to just a complete difference in effort, energy, and intent, which I didn't feel was there in those games. They contribute, obviously, to those errors and that out of the fact that they are trying much better. A forward pack that was extremely underwhelming, attack that was just non-inspired, and a big part of it, like you said, is a bloke like Jackson Hastings come back in, but the whole 17 certainly lifted, and, and more than anything, I'm probably happy for Maguire. I'm certainly not sitting here saying that, you know, suddenly a world beater or they go on the eight. If anything, they need to solidify it this week against the Dragons, because if you've taken two decent scouts, whether it be last minute and you've come up with some big plays and played those two teams the last two weeks, if you want to really solidify that things are heading in the right direction, you beat somebody who's in a similar position to you in the ladder right now. And it won't be an easy beat because similar deal, the Dragons were under the gun. 
after their start, um, but then had the ugly win against Newcastle, found a way through, and then another really gritty win on the weekend. So I think for both of these teams, it's it's a huge opportunity to get three in a row. But at the time, like you said, when you're the only one in the media, everyone's hounding you, particularly for the Tigers, where, like I said, Madge is the one in this whole situation that I've got a lot of sympathy for. Um, pretty happy to see them obviously get some relief, hopefully, after the last two weeks, and deservedly so. Yeah, um, that was more the point. But yeah, last one here, and uh, we'll do the power rankings for tackle six for this week. Brought to you by Penrose Solar Centre. Jake and the crew there visit the website www.penrosesolar.com.au. There is no one better. If you want to save some cash, help your back pocket, and put yourself in a position to buy some Ripper Grand Final Origin tickets, there is no one better than Penrose Solar Centre. Call them on eighteen hundred twenty twenty nine thirty. And let them help you save today. Number one, no surprise, still the Penrith Panthers. Yep. Number two, Melbourne Storm. Yep. Uh, I've kept the Sharks at three. Yep. I've still got the Eels at four. Yep. Uh, actually, looking down, mine's the same as last week. I've, I've left the Roosters at five more with what's going on behind them. I left Manly yeah. at six more with what's going on behind them. I had the Cowboys already at seven. I left them there. I didn't put them ahead of those two. Uh, and I still have Souths at eight, but the teams yeah, are. I've, I've got the Souths ahead of the cow. Uh, yeah, Souths ahead of the Cowboys. I've got Cowboys at eight. Yeah, and just with what happened behind them, obviously the Titans lost, the Warriors lost, the Dragons got the win, but they're on three. So yeah, out of those teams, sort of in that log jam, I didn't change anything from last week. But yeah, those power rankings brought to you by Penrith Solar Centre, and again a huge thank you to Bluebet.com.au for supporting us and our charity. Uh, this week after two in a row unfortunately a loss so hopefully we can bounce back again this weekend in the kitty at the moment $322.50 if you're going to have a bet with anyone do it with the true blue bookie bluebet.com.au there is no one better visit the google play store or go to the app store for apple and download the app today for bluebet.com.au reviews of the games from the weekend sharks Manly, 34-22. When you say it was a game of two halves, this is literally the definition. This is the definition of the dictionary. It was 32-0 in the first half. It was an absolute bludgeoning. And then the second half was 22 points to two. Only a penalty goal. What the Sharks got. But the first half, uh, the biggest contributing factor of everything, I thought they were just convincingly beat in the middle, which isolated their edges. And poor old Morgan Harper copped an absolute bath from uh, Sifatalakai. But... The bigger thing here when people are looking at it and isolate, like systematically what you're doing when you're isolated or when you're man on or you're on the back foot there, you've got to come up and you've got to take away time and space. They sat on their haunches. They played off the back foot. Two times there, he was turned out. He's tried to go low. Sif is, like, as I said to you last week, just looked like Barfridge with legs. Just walked over the top of him. Jason Saab literally ran with him to the try line multiple times. Didn't come in, didn't try and help on the inside shoulder. Um, Mulitalo, obviously a benefactor of that as well, had a field day. The Sharks could have had another one if Kennedy didn't drop the ball. It could have been 40. Um, but overall, the first half, I think, started with their middle just being dominated and their left edge in particular was just a massive benefactor. And I don't know if a player's had a better first half than what we saw Sifatelica have. But second half, I thought their middle... Yeah, on of, the end of a lot of good work from guys inside him. Yeah, 100%. They rolled, rolled downfield and think uh, a really underrated job that's been done by a player has been out is T. Wilton. I really like T. Wilton playing on that edge, so potentially moving forward. I know they're talking in a core at the moment, um, but I think that situation for the Sharks 
wouldn't say it'd be easy, but I think it's going to be easier given what we said at the start of the year. They've already got a really good squad. They recruited well. But two guys they've got coming off in Wade Graham and Andrew Fafita are either going to have to have significant pay guts, cuts or are going to be gone altogether. So there's almost $1.5 million there to up and renegotiate with a few guys who I'm sure they're going to want to keep, including a Nakora who they're speaking to, Hamlin Ueli, despite the injuries being good for him. There's a few guys there that you know I think the gap's going to be filled nicely by probably taking some money out of those other two deals, as well as what they're bringing on top. But um, the second half was pretty much the opposite. I'm sure Fitzgibbon will be disappointed, a bit like he was last week with the defensive side of things. You wouldn't have expected that. But um, it did honestly look a little bit dicey there with about 15 to go. Because that middle period, they sort of let Manly roll through him. Cherry Evans had a huge part to play. I thought Garrick, um, why again, not naturally one, really, really busy, had a red-hot crack, Olakowatu again on that edge. But uh, the last sort of 10 to 12 minutes, they just sort of fell flat. They made a couple of errors. They couldn't keep banking those points, and Shark sort of rode the game out. But it kind of cost for Manly. Dylan Walker, I think he was named this week, but the strapping on his knee... Is ridiculous. Taniela Paseka, I think, got injured. They went in the game without Tapoy, uh, Tapia, Aloye, Kepi. We're still waiting to see Schuster. Um, so, like we said about their depth, that's a massive issue for them. When they're missing players and losing others on top, you, it gives you some worries about Manly. Yeah, definitely. But the, Manly's issue is their depth. That that's their that's their issue. They get their top seventeen on the field. I think they can compete with any team. The issue is certainly depth. Mm. And, uh, like it is for most teams. Yeah. I think probably more, a little bit more so for them, as we spoke about the other year, the model that they've gone with was basically Cherry Evans. Top enders, yeah. Turbos, we're going to pay you know million-plus dollars to these three guys. They've essentially given away three million-plus to those guys, and then you've got to fit 27 other players into the rest of your salary cap. You've essentially given away almost 35% of it. Yeah. So they've done a pretty good job, and they've got some guys coming through, but as we've seen the last few years, when push comes to shove and you've got upgrade Olakowatu, upgrade Schuster, upgrade some guys, you either have to lose bodies um, or it hurts you in that back end when you go and we need to find guys or can we get some reasonable first graders or some good depth and, um, you know, that comes at cost, obviously. Yeah. So, overall, like we said during this run without Turbo, they, they jagged two good wins the last few weeks down on troops. This one was a, a different story, but full credit to Cronulla. Um, watching them attack is great. I really enjoy sort of what they've got going there. Not natural halves like Nico come through playing as a 5'8", and we know that Matt got converted, Moylan that is, while he was at Penrith. But the way they just punch through the middle, as soon as they get momentum, they're not wasting plays. They just shift straight away. Mm. And I think Moylan, probably credit to him, um, career on the rocks and sort of wasted years more so there at Cronulla. He was challenged by Fitzgibbon, and he certainly delivered, I think, so far, along with Nico Irons, who had another good game, but... Talakai mentioned in origin circles. I don't know if I'd be going as far to throw him in an origin centre. No. Um, but if you're looking for a bench player that can certainly play multiple positions on form, I wouldn't hate it. You no. play centre, back row, middle. There's, there's not anything he really can't cover or do. Um, yeah, and that sort of thing. But I don't know if I'd be playing him straight up as a centre in origin. Yeah. I think when you've got Crichton and some of the other guys and potentially I think it's a fair way off Turbo and Latrell, like we said, being back uh, when that was brought up the other day, I thought in the bench role I can understand. But yeah, in terms of starting, I still think there's Crichton and a few other guys I'd be looking at first to play that spot. So yeah. um, he's been outstanding, though, no doubt about it. Moving on. Broncos Dogs, we obviously did this one on hijack. Um, just the first half that we spoke about, the Broncos were just inept. They yeah. couldn't do anything with the football. They torched themselves. 
with errors. It was just middle carry, middle carry, let's play tight, let's play compressed. They really, really struggled. Um, the Bulldogs, considering what they went through during the week with the COVID side of things and a bit of a reshuffle, they went much better in attack, but it slowly started to unfold a bit better for them. But the second half, I think we... Was it that shot moment we were talking about where they sort of had a couple of opportunities where Brisbane given the ball um, and then they just made... I think it was a touch maybe over the sideline he didn't need to have. Yeah. And then just from there, Adam Reynolds took control and they just never seemed... They didn't get the ball back for like a 15-minute period, it seemed. Yeah. It was just well, try on try on try. They just got rolled on. Reynolds, that's another one you can chalk up to the Reynolds signing. Like, he, they need... They need his direction. Imagine Brisbane without him. So, you know, Bulldogs are... Yeah, they're just... They're really struggling to play 80 minutes, let alone win a game. So they're... Obviously a work in progress, but yeah, it was a game that I think the Bulldogs were probably considered that got away, but one that Brisbane will be very happy that they won. Mm. I think Haas, after going off the shoulder early, as always, was absolutely enormous when he got back on. Um, Reynolds, like we said, really kicked into gear after having not the greatest start of the game, but overall they weren't that great. But the Harbour Bridge pass, the chip and chase, the goal kicking... His general play kicking, he had some real big moments in the back end to make sure uh, they ran away with that. And I think the most disappointing thing for the Dogs, when we said this when we called it, I think the scoreline really reflects the effort they put into the game. Um, overall, thought that their, their pack was sort of okay. Jackson was good, but I, I don't agree with what Barrett's doing. Said it before, and you spoke about it, obviously explained it better for most of our fans, but the middle service, it doesn't work at the Bulldogs. You don't have Isaiah Yo. You don't have Nathan Cleary. The fact they're getting Jackson to play there, like there were some passes the other night that like he's getting better at it, but there was some real risky stuff I thought they got away with where he's getting deep in the line. He's throwing some pretty speculative passes, but I think that he just needs to can that system. It doesn't work for them. I think well, you they, need to, yeah, you need to play with the, for the players. Yeah. Or set a system up for the players that you've got. Burton, more of a runner. I think Flanagan should just be the dominant seven and, and control most things, not have your 13 sort of being that guy like they're trying to do, like Yo at Penrith. Get Dufty again, just floating around the football and playing outside of shape. Like I, I think they just need to get rid of middle service because he it's not Penrith. It doesn't work the same way. He doesn't have the plays he's got there. He's got a pretty good forward pack. I, I think they need to loosen up a little bit. Looks overly structured with what they're trying to do with their attack. Um, I know a couple of commentators the other night were praising like Pungai Junior and the way he played, but uh, you know, put grubber kicks in, and I, you know, I, I didn't think he had his. Good a game is what many thought, that's for sure. But no, I certainly didn't get a good game. The most impressive one for me was probably Karaz, the kid they brought in excellent. from Cup, who's only an under 20s age. You can still play flag if you want to put your name up in lights with an opportunity. He certainly did that. Yeah, um, full credit to Billy Securis as well. He's had a bad run with injuries. I think he was in the Penrith lower grade system and he's been at a couple of clubs as well, getting a, a game like we said the other day. Sometimes when an opportunity presents itself, it doesn't matter if you've played one game or a hundred games. You've uh, you've got a club number forever. So I'm sure for him that was a, a really big moment as well. Absolutely, yeah. Played and, uh, an NRL game. That's huge. Aaron Shop, I thought did a really good job after being dropped, coming back in there on Tony Staggs. One, basically doing exactly the sort of thing that we were talking about previously. That Harper situation when you're playing a guy who's really physical, really good at tackle busting best thing you can do, especially when you've got grass behind you and your man on, is just try and cut down time and space. Hit him early. Don't let him get wound up. Don't let him get on the front foot. Um, to look at the two ways they address those situations. And again, their role forward 
probably wasn't as good for the Broncos, so there wasn't as much time and space, or they weren't as isolated. But I thought the approach he took to play Stags was spot on. Mm. So that's more the avenue we're talking about when we get that situation. Uh, more interesting to get your thoughts on this one, moving on to Cowboys-Titans, 30-4. And Justin Holbrook's comment was, we've been in every single game. Um, you know, they could have had more wins. They've got those losses, but this is the first time we've just been blown away. He's right. Um, that sums it up. What else do you want me to say? I turned it off after 35 minutes. Mm. I was furious. They quit. They looked abhorrent. They were terrible. Um, just in the little areas, the effort areas. They, they just they were never in it. They were never competing. They were slow. They were weak. They were soft. All those, all those things that Holbrook probably can't say to them, but we can highlight and say, yeah, it's hard to watch. I kind of feel embarrassing. Yeah, it was, it, that yeah. even even the Ford pack, which I'm a fan of, is letting down a guy like Tino. I think Tino's horrible. been carrying his weight. Yeah, even Mo and a few other guys. Yeah, I it was the worst game were. I reckon Mo's played. I've looked at all of them. And I, kind of I thought, feel like the Titans played their best game in round one against Para. They were outstanding. Well, they they've, they've gone backwards. Pack, they've gone yeah. backwards ever since. The Brimson at six situation um, and the whole half out. Yeah, I'm not sure you can judge that. Based it's, it's on, hard with the four based pack. on the four that. pack, not going. Well, I said it a few weeks ago. I think Campbell makes a hell of a difference as well when he's at one. Yeah, Mazarko um, is purely a runner. I can't question Mazarko's effort, but yeah, in terms of the strings to his bow or where he brings, but again, a lot starts with your forward pack and the nine situation. I've hounded about it for weeks and weeks and weeks, but they need to address that. Yeah, that needs to be the number one priority. I think if you're going to stick with the young spine they've got, which they're clearly going to, because of the decisions they made. But if there's one situation, and I know there's not a lot out there. I don't care if it's the Super League or where it is. They need to be after somebody. They need to be looking for someone or someone they can convert. Something has to give in that spot for next year in particular. And again, with a few of these guys that have sort of proven a point in terms of being handy parts of their forward pack, but are probably lesser known names. They've heavily invested in Tino, Fafita, Moeyaki, etc. But Kevin Proctor, this should be his last season. Um, and there's a few other guys there that are sort of on the fringe. They probably need to find another couple of quality, reliable middles for their rotation. Mm. Um, I think it's pretty simple in that regard. But, yeah, uh, the Cowboys, impressive again. That's their fourth win. I think it's been a pretty simple format this year and again, the way they've played things. just They do a good job with their middles. Tamalolo's certainly back to playing his sort of best football. And I think Chad is sort of the freedom that was required for a couple of those guys to play their best football. You have Deard and now just digging into the line. He's not afraid to run. He just looks free. Robson probes a little bit. Holmes being pushed out to centre seems to have relieved the pressure of being a dominant one or being up on the ball. And he picks and chooses his moments there where they're letting him float in and out and drink water. It certainly lit a fire under his ass getting dropped for the start of the year for Hamiso because he's been outstanding since he's come back into that role. So I think they've got a lot of boxes they're ticking at the moment they'd be happy with. And they're two young edge back rowers, Lukey and Nanai. I've seen back rowers that are good at competing for kicks, but that kid's a freak. Yeah. Um, and Lukey's just a brute. So, good position to be in. Uh, and a good test this weekend up against Parramatta. So, we get another look. Similar to that Roosters game the other week, which obviously ended with three sin bins against them up against a, a quality opposition. So, looking forward to seeing those two play each other. Um, for the Titans, and I think on the coverage they brought up about the... You know, Fafita experiment out in the centres, maybe they're trying to do the Talakai thing. I don't think it's anything of that sort. I think it was a late injury and maybe they thought we can shuffle him one out, but 
opposite to the side of things where we have all these commentators who don't do their background work who are going, I can't believe Talakai does that in the centres. He was a centre. Mm. He played all his junior football at centre. He was a junior Kiwi centre. He got turned into a back row or a middle after falling out of favour at South where he basically admits himself he took it for granted and blew his first opportunity. And he's built himself back up through Newtown, Panthers, and then obviously the Sharks situation where he went to a couple of clubs and now he's back where he is. But the pedigree there from a junior perspective is there for a centre. David Fafita was the big kid you see at under-10s just destroying everybody who really came through at Kibra playing in the front row. It's just the big guy you give the ball to and he just destroys everybody. Mm. So structurally, I can't ever imagine in my head that David Fafita, who we know instantly debuted and played some back row and off the bench, etc., has ever defended, let alone played out in the centre position where you can get really isolated when your middle's getting beaten up. Um, and we saw that a couple well, of times. Well, just one further out from where he's... Playing. I get that, but in particular, defensively. the wrong position. They should be moving him in closer. Hmm. So I'd happily, I'd happily have him play sixty minutes, but at thirteen. Do you think he'd handle thirteen defensively? Well, he needs to. I yeah, that that's my opinion. Or play him in the back row. Don't play him at centre. Don't move move him further out. No. 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 I, look, I think Holbrook in his gut. He went with his gut. I can't bag him for that. I'm certainly not going to sit here and and say that I know better than Justin Holbrook. I trust what he's trying to do with the team. I think he thought it was the right thing to do. I think he had a plan for it to work. There are a few occasions there where uh, Taylor found space and just dropped the ball cold. So I think his performance also let the coach down. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. But, yeah, I just think for the team, what's best for the team, I, I think he needs to be closer to the to the action, not further away. That's just my opinion. Yeah. Uh, so we'll see how things... And that's probably also more a reflection on the middles. The middles aren't doing the job. It's all good to play him out wider as centres and back row if you know, you've got the middle rolling forward and creating space for him. But I feel a little bit now like he's got to roll his sleeves up a little bit and start to create some quick play the balls for other people, not just stand out there and expect everything to be, you know, handed to him on a silver platter. Like, I get that he's, you know, on big money and, and whatever, and he edges his position, but it's, you know, it's got to be, surely it's got to be about what the team needs. Yeah, I get that. This is also sort of the point I made at the time when you spend that money on a back row, that you probably put too much value into that position and that play when you do require inside help because you know yourself when you're Yeah, no, I, I get all that. Like they've got Tino who they've now paid up to 900. Moeaki's got a good deal, but you probably need to trim a little bit more to have better middles in general. And they've obviously invested, gone with the young halves. Like There's a lot that plays into getting good ball to a quality back row. So... I think, is he off contract now this year or it was a three-year deal with an option or something? I think they're back at the negotiating table. I don't know. So I don't know about this time, but surely after getting him there and what they've done, you'd think he would understand. I don't think anyone's going to pay $1.2 million for him again. No. I think 900 or whatever they were talking, initial money, 
I thought was huge and right at the top end of the back row market and as high as you should go for a back row. Yeah, look, I, I still, again, I'll defend the contract, I'll defend the signing because the Gold Coast were in need of a signing, a big name. And that they, you know, they paid overs, no doubt they paid overs. Mm. But they needed to get good players to their club, played finals last year. Uh, a lot of that on the back of what he did. So I, I think he's he's given the club what certainly what we needed and he's, he's played up to his contract in regards to the results of the team. His performance has fluctuated. His minutes has fluctuated. Uh, I just think in, in my heart of hearts, I'd just be moving him closer to the ball. I think we're a better team when he touches the ball more. People probably argue, does he have the motor to do that? Well, there's only one way to get the motor to do that. That's to put him there and, and let him let him get the motor and sub him if you need to. Get get 60 uh, quality minutes out of the, out of him rather than getting 80 of him just cruising out on the edge. That That's my opinion, though. Mm. Well, you know, you watch All more... I talk about the contract, like, I, I don't give a shit. Like, you, it's, you... it's irrelevant. He's on that contract, so, you know, we could, people can talk about it all they want. Hmm. Forgetting that though, nine situation. But who who were they going to get to play nine? So people are sort of saying, well, they should have spent the money elsewhere at nine, or in other positions. Who who have they missed out on that they were going after that would have made an impact elsewhere? Well, that's not what I'm going for. I'm going for the situation is what it is. I get that. But do you know of anyone in the Super League from what you've seen you could potentially look for? Because I think the market right now in the NRL for what's coming. Well, there's up your point. That's why everyone bags the contract. It's pretty bad. To play where, though? Nine. Is there any hookers over there or somewhere they can delve into? Not really. No, not really. Because I think for the most James part... James he's 500 years old. He's... Yeah, well, that's mm. obviously one. I think... Do you think they could coax somebody like a Lussick to come back? No, they should, have, they should have done that last year. Mm. They should have went and got him last year. Is Daryl Clark passed his best? I haven't seen yeah, much of him. A lot of, a lot of the good English nines are old. He was the one that was spoken about for years mm. and years and everyone was sort of linked to him on and off, but he's never made yeah. his way out here. I haven't seen much. The long and short is no. So, uh, in terms of what... There's, he, a few, there, there's a few good nines running around in New South Wales Cup. Yeah, well, again, that's where I mean. You look at these clubs sometimes, I said the other week, I still don't understand how some miss some of these players that are in feeder clubs or playing around guys they've got in their own system. And... God, we played a handy one on the weekend. Yeah. Brad, Brad Kieran playing for Hills. He's he's uh well, New South Wales, he's New South Wales Cup level for sure. I don't know. But he's playing he Ron Matt. I don't care, but he's 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 cup level. Yeah. For I'm... sure. He's playing Massey. So again, it's just you know, that's obviously because Norse are going really, really well and they they've pushed him back to play for Hills. But yeah, when you're talking about distribution of talent it's a similar thing to what we spoke about. He's stuck behind a few there at the Roosters, isn't he? On the weekend with uh, like Karaz. Like Karaz has moved around a little bit, but landed there. He's on the training trial. And I'm, I'm looking at what they've sort of got there and what he's doing. He doesn't cost you a lot. He's very young. I think he's better than a few of the guys they had mm. or a few of the guys they tried to bring in. And that's the thing sometimes. You, you, your value for money is that sort of guy. A 20-year-old kid who's super aggressive, good carry, does the uh, seems to do the fundamentals well and... Uh, overall, that that natural intent and aggression, uh, like you look at a, a guy like an Ockenbore, he's had a few years, or they've stuck by him, who's off contract. I'd happily swap Ockenbore for Kraz after what I've seen in Cup early Easily. this year, and then what I've seen in his first game of NRL. Like again, it's against a lower opposition, but it's a twenty-year-old kid who can play flag right now. But that's the sort of decision we're talking about. So, um, yeah, Titans, it doesn't get any easier. So is that what 
two two and five now. They roll into the Panthers this weekend. Yeah, it'd be two and six. So that's not the ideal situation after lots of close games. But credit to the Cowboys, and we'll see how they go against Parramatta. But Tigers South, as we mentioned before, the Tigers two weeks in a row get it done with a field goal. Um, and yeah, just sort of high. Like you're saying about like Souths completed at sixty nine percent. The Tigers ninety five percent, which is full credit to them. That's uh, right. The Tigers did absolutely everything they could. Defensively, which was a huge problem for them, they only missed 16 tackles to South 33, 16 errors to three. So that also is more what I was saying, like is a reflection on effort, intent. They've turned around a lot of the small things that you can control, which put pressure on your opposition when you've got teams like I thought Paramount last week sort of disrespecting that roll in, push the envelope and try to score off everything. If you if you do all the basics or the fundamentals, right, it doesn't mean you're going to win every week when you're a lesser talent-wise, but you're going to find yourself in some games. And I think the last two weeks, they've done the bare minimum of what you need to do playing in the NRL, and they've well and truly put themselves in a position to win football games, but probably been more impressed with the difference that Hastings has made just structurally for them. The fact that he is a big body, he's not afraid to take a lick, he gets deep into the line, he's actually making defenders accountable around the ruck. There's not as much inside pressure coming out. For guys like Brooks and Laurie, and it's really freed up Brooks. Brooks has had his best two games the last two weeks off the back of having someone there, yeah. which he basically hasn't had. He's a good co-pilot. Yeah, for a long time. like he, he hasn't had anyone really helping him in any of those key positions, but Hastings certainly does a lot of that fundamental stuff well to free him up to do what he does best, which is attack. Mm. And we've seen the best of him in the last few weeks. The, the pass that he threw out the back of one of those first shapes that was a long one to Stafford Toll where he got to dig in and get out the edges and threatening some players to hold up was a perler. And then when he picked that loose ball up off the ground, which was more an error by the lead run of Campbell Graham not getting through, like he, his wheels, you just knew he was getting to the bank. But I was more impressed here because I thought there was a real chance for their head to go up their backside when they conceded two why Souths had 12 when Tarn Milne got Sinbin for that shot on Laurie. Yeah. That really, I thought, could have hurt their confidence, but that just never went away. Um and it's ignited other guys with the way they're playing. I thought Nofaluma had a very bad year last year after being their most consistent for a long period. He seems to spark back up. Mamalo's had a much better two weeks after getting punted. Um, it's just, there's just a lot more effort all around. I thought Tamau was looking almost lifeless. He sparked up. A couple of the other guys in the forward pack. Twiles made a difference since coming back in. So just all around in their 17, a lot to be attributed to. Guys put in an effort for their coach, but there's been a huge shift in attitude since Hastings got back in that team particularly. Definitely. Um, on the South side of things, I can't give any more Give yourselves a chance, South. Yeah. 16 errors to three, you're not giving yourself much hope. Uh, I can't give any more credit to two players in particular who I think have been their best this year, and that's Cam Murray and Kalamatungi. Kalamatungi was huge again the other night. Murray was massive as well, um, but he's another one of those guys. I know... We, we're talking about it. Um, we don't want to talk about it until it gets closer. But Kalama Tungi will be certainly in the frame for rep jerseys in years to come, the way he's playing his football. Yeah. Um, he's a very, very impressive young player. So for Souths, um, you know, Milne's going to be out this week. And again, we said this period they need to capitalise and probably go four or five. They're two of three. Uh, but this week is not an easy one. They've got Manly who are in a similar spot to them with a couple of injuries. And like we talked about, similar point where they lost their first few games, they're looking to bank. This one could be important for either of these sides in terms of where they end up at the back end of the year because they've both started slow. They've both got bodies missing and they're going head-to-head and they will be affected somewhat by origin, both sides. Yeah, definitely. So this is a very important game. I have to wait to see the lineups tipping it. Good luck with that. 
it's going to be very, very difficult. Um, but yeah, I, I saw some positives again. I, I like the fact that Demetrio is pretty level-headed. He hasn't blown his stack. He hasn't really swayed from what he's, uh, his goal is since he got in there. I think they will turn it around. Like we said at the start of the year, I don't say about a threat at all, premiership-wise, but I definitely think anything less than top eight will be a disappointment. Yeah, agree. But yeah, Cody Walker had some moments. They looked like they went a little bit more left side. They've been very right side heavy so far, but yeah, still things just a little bit clunky. And, and Taft's been good the first couple of weeks back. And Cook, you know, got plenty of plaudits for scoring a hatchery against the Bulldogs last week. But yeah, I think there's uh, there's definitely some stuff that needs to be worked through with their spine, that's for sure. Uh, Eels, Newcastle, I don't even know what to say about this one. 39-2, they didn't strike a blow for the crowd that turned up at Newcastle on that beautiful day. What should be a real positive, they got absolutely dominated. Um, no middle was over 100 metres. Their edge defence, like you said, very questionable. Overall, though, the biggest thing that sums up your effort and your energy is your goal line defence. They had some under-10s try scored against them. <laughs> Papa League had four bodies on him when he got in and rolled over for that first try. Yeah, it was the insane. second one, I'll give him some plaudits. It was a quick play of the ball, and he ID'd that he had Phoenix and Ponga, but there were still three bodies on him. He shouldn't get over. Mm. Um, the Sean Lane, Reed Marnie one, just a simple jump out, tip play. If you hold on your goal line, you don't stop somebody. Like, you got the inside shoulder there of Clamour and nice by Reed to jump out, but when you're on your goal line, there's only one way that's forward. They stood on their goal line, let it happen. Um, it was a common theme for the majority of the tries. Parramatta, like, it's hard to single anyone out, I thought, overall. Their pack was very impressive. It was one of Madison's better games in a long time as well. Yeah, he was good. Um, but, yeah, they just rolled all over him and Newcastle really didn't put up much of an effort to stop what they threw at them in terms of their attack inside 20. I didn't think they had to work that hard to score their points, obviously, um, when you've got those sort of crashovers. But, yeah, Adam O'Brien's press comments probably summed it all up. They said, what do you got to say about that one? The first word that came out was just sorry. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, I think he said there was a, said a lot of things that he wanted to say that he's not going to say, which is fair enough. But I think the anger was coming through enough in his expressions rather than uh, anything he could have said. So for Parramatta... That's the bounce back you'd expect off a disappointing loss last week for someone who wants to be considered a premiership contender. But if you're Newcastle, like we said, off the back of the news and the Ponga saga, and you look at some of the players you've still got in your lineup, you'd expect a lot better effort than that. Absolutely. Um, and sadly for them, yeah, a guy like Gagai just adds to the woes now because after the game, it's now confirmed he's got a facial fracture. So that, that could possibly be a month without him. So it's not looking any better for Newcastle. And just add a little bit more insult to injury they roll into the storm this week so hmm. um, that one's also at Newcastle but yeah don't know what else you can really say for Newcastle just fundamental stuff needs to come back in I, a bit like we just said about the Tigers winning's one thing but effort um, and intent and especially in front of your home fans you, you can't dish up what they did it's not acceptable uh, Panthers Canberra 36-6. to six. I actually think this is a little bit like last week. I know the scoreboard doesn't show it again, but I thought Canberra were pretty resilient considering the grilling they copped from the Panthers, in all honesty. The, the, the gluts of time without the ball, how much they had to defend, the amount of work they had to put in. They frustrated Penrith's left, but Penrith, you know, too good. Found a way just to keep punching to the middle and find love on the right-hand side of the field, but... 1,700 metres to seven, their sets were only 25 metres on average. They got absolutely suffocated and strangled. There was a period there, I can't remember live on TV what they said, 
from the back end of the first half to almost the end of the second half, they almost went 40-plus minutes. They hadn't left their own half. Like, for Penrith to just apply that pressure, not get frustrated, not blow their stack, keep completing, just keep strangling them and turn up with that goal line defense. For year three of this build of what started with Ivan rolling over those bad contracts, blooding these kids and getting this generation in, that is more getting to you know, that level of what we've seen of the Roosters for the past 15 to 20 years or the Storm for the past 15 to 20 years where it doesn't matter if it's your best week, your worst week, this, that, and the other. It takes 80 minutes to beat them. Brisbane rocked up through the kitchen sink for 50. Canberra put in a reasonable effort and tried to hold on for 50 or so minutes, but they just were relentless for 80. They literally asphyxiated, suffocated, smothered, however you want to put it, Canberra, for 80 minutes, and that led to the pouring out of points that eventually came. Yeah, spot on. Um, Nathan kicked him to death. They got repeats. I know that's the brand that Penrith play. Mm. That ain't going to change. So you need to be able to go with them in that regard, go set for set, put the ball in the corners, and challenge them in the middle, roll through their middle. And until teams can do that, they're going to be almost impossible to beat. And that's why I'm really looking forward to this period coming up for them because if they roll in after this week, 8-0 no to Para, Storm, Roosters, that, that's that's a real, really, really, really good thing that I'm looking forward to or really excited about that sort of run of games after the way they've started. But just to see, again, them adapt, like we said, with a new left edge, a couple other guys having to step up. I think Spencer's definitely stepped up. Sorens is doing a job. Even Eisenhuth now getting a starting job. Um, the minutes may not be huge and... Then we talked about like their hooking future. When they when they signed Kenny the other week, and I looked around and thought, surely that's not the only option they've got for next year. Mm. They're going to have to get a market. They're going to have to find something internally. When you saw Sony get signed full-time, you had to have thought straight away, okay, maybe it's going to be a, a, a dual sort of thing. Because Mitchell Kenny came through from Windsor playing as a 13. He was, like an, he was a captain of one of their lower-grade teams, I think, that won one of those comps as a lock. He was sort of converted into a nine out of necessity and he can certainly do that job but he doesn't have that natural vision that natural attack or play that sort of way that I, I think is going to be hugely underrated loss for Penrith and Uppy Coruscant Uppy Coruscant's role since he's been there and still again on the weekend I think is super underappreciated and we spoke about it before they got him there when they had Maloney and Cleary and people going why does this not work why does that not work well all these other teams yeah they had a fullback and two hard like you've got to have multiple options in your spine but if you've got no deception no accountability for your nine and your ruck, it's impossible just to go straight out and play attacking football on the edges. If you have a really good nine, much like Melbourne were lucky to have for such a long period of time, Tigers when Farrah was good, a nine is so important in the modern game. Mm-hmm. Um, but Sony Luke, you saw in that one play, two markers, jumped out, got past them because they were flat, engaged the A and B defenders, C was a little bit wide. He's literally made all those defenders accountable for Yo to pour through that hole. That, in one play, was enough to see why they're looking that way. Defensively, he's obviously going to get tested. They've picked him this week again. They've left Kenny out of the mould. Looks like they're starting the plan early. Um, whether that's the way at the back end of the year when it gets to the big games, if they're going to play him at all. if they well, going to have to earn that spot. RP playing for 80 and have Kenny come back in as that spade role where he can just defend or give him a bit of a rest is a different story. But the fact they're getting some reps in now, I think, shows to what they're looking to do moving forward. Mm, um, agree. But, yeah. I think, yeah, RP again, like I said, probably not as noticeable, but watch him at nine. Um, what he does, I think, is still really underrated for Penrith and has been why he's been there. But 
Nath really controlled things. Critter getting a hat-trick on the right there. Um, like we said, obviously, putting himself in that frame if something does pop up there for an opportunity in a blue shirt with so many other of his teammates. Edwards is, is work again, and just their forward pack in general. Their forward pack, I thought, really put a stamp on this game and their line speed and their relentlessness. And for Canberra, um, you know, I think Papali was one of the only guys to crack 100. Topine made a, a bit of an impact when they did have the ball, but then they basically were just coming out of yardage and had nothing outside their own half for that 40, 50-minute period. Yeah. They just got baked. Um, and some people afterwards were complaining about the Viking clap side. So like, when you travel away, what do you expect? Yeah. Like, a crowd's going to do what a crowd's going to do. They asked Ricky and he <laughs> spat his chips and the the press conference saying, is that all you want to fucking talk about? Like, really? That's the biggest thing you can take away from this game? And the journos asked Ivan and he said exactly the same thing. Yeah. So, if you're offended by that, I think it's pretty straightforward. When you're in a good period like this, if you behave that way or you are a bit brash and Penrith is certainly not hiding their success or enjoying their success, we all know that at some point when you do go through a rough trot, people are going to lay the boot in. They know that. Yeah. And they're going to cop that at some point, you know, whether it might be a couple of years down the track, it might be sooner than we think, but everybody knows when you go through a good period, when you do hit rock bottom, people are going to give it back. That's the way it is. And Penrith are happy to take those licks right now because they're winning. They're winning in style. They're winning dominant, in dominant fashion. And yeah, their fans have been the away. The players weren't the ones doing it anyway. No, that's the point. But the fans have been away for two years. The Penrith fans have been through a fair, fair bit of shit. So. They've, had a, they've got a really, really good team. And they're going to have to enjoy it because the stadium's about to get knocked down as well. And they're, they're certainly doing that. So, yeah. Um, yeah. Big win for the Panthers. Uh, Dragons, Roosters. We went to this game. Just, again, probably more disappointed with how the Roosters have been attack-wise and just expected better all around. Their middles, again, thought were a bit hit and miss. I think the sadder part of this is that I thought they pulled the Dragons enough, especially uh, in the second half, enough uh, apart a couple of times there. They just passes wouldn't stick or moments didn't come off. And I've got to give credit to the Dragons. I thought they scrambled really well. There were some good individual efforts. Ben Hunt, none more, and deserving man of the match, the way he kicked at 40-20 was huge. He was involved in that last play where Tupo tried to throw that pass back inside. Um, Maguire came to life, and I know I'm pretty sure his father was in the service, so he's from an Army family. So obviously Anzac Day, hugely important to him, um, and it certainly showed in the way he played. But yeah, I thought it was more effort stuff from the Dragons that got them across the line more than the flash. And for the Roosters, like we said, moments summed up like passes not sticking or forcing situations or... Kiri drifting across field where he got dragged out near the end pretty much sums up where the Roosters are at this point in time. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, we said it earlier. They were sideline to sideline, didn't play direct. They're yeah, struggling for organisation. The Dragons just gritted their way through. The tries that the Dragons... I heard a lot of, bit of criticism about you know, the, the tries that the Dragons scored, but... You win how you can win. Yeah, that's exactly right. They're still working through that side of things, that's for sure. Bird was busted in the first half. They had to get a moan out there. Uh, Sully played with a cork. They were looking like they were going to pull him at one stage. For a point there, they had, I think, only one on the bench because somebody else went back in to the sheds. And there's someone else off the top of my head. Sewer, that ankle injury, he's out indefinitely now with the Sydney's most. So they toughed their way through it, that's for sure. Yeah. Um, they'd be really, really happy with getting that win given what they've lost and what they had to give to get it after the win last week and obviously had a rough start of the year. But, um, yeah, I just think the Roosters had enough opportunities, that's for sure. Just didn't help themselves out at all in attack. And that's the main thing we're looking at here. Kiri got some repeats and built some pressure with his boot, but in terms of how he's contributing to steering that side and getting them 
going forward. I don't know if it again if it just comes off the back of all so they go forward, but yeah, the only sort of guy who consistently looks like he's doing damage when he carries the football to me is Tupanua. Mm. And he's an edge player. In terms of what you're getting out of Jared and Collins and Tokia and all that so far this year, definitely haven't been close to their best. So um I think he's got to get to a point now where he rewards some consistency from his lower grade guys. If any of those guys are playing well, the only one that keeps popping up that I'm hearing or haven't seen much of is a Tony, who I thought was going to be part of that rotation to start the year, but that's not the case. Mm. Um, and then in terms of the edges as well, I don't want to see Nat Butcher, Tupanua flipping. Like I just want to see your edges stay at how they are. And to me, Tupanua is your right back row. That's where you had your success last year. Angus Crichton's my left back row. I need to find middles. That's my solution. Yeah, I need to fix that situation. I can't flip managers, find leg speed for Crichton, play him as the middle, move Tupanua to the left if that's a defensive thing or something they attack. He basically said that he was settled on what he was trying to do and it was going to build nicely and they'd get to where they've got to get to. But I haven't really seen that just yet. No. So um, I think Sawali's been a welcome addition. Thought he played pretty well yesterday. Considering yeah, he's again. matured. You can see he's matured. So... Um, that, that'll that be a, a bit of a slow build. Momorowski not having the impact I think he would have been hoping to have since he's got there. Made a couple of errors on his greatest day. Um, and then, like we said, about nine. They've got Verrills back in who's got some decent minutes the last few weeks. But again, he's had a rough couple of years with injury. They've lost Watson. They, they need to get some continuity in that nine spot, that's for sure. Um, yeah, Manu had a big impact on that game. Tedesco, 312 metres, couple of line breaks, 12 busts. There, there was certainly some good efforts, but overall as a team and a collective, 16 errors, 65% completion, and, yeah, just underwhelming. So congrats to the Dragons. Real tough win, real tough win. Um, and the last game was the Storm Warriors, 70-10. to 10. Honestly, I went back and watched the first half because we were driving back. That was a tussle. That was tight. Mm. Melbourne were looking clunky. Um, they got their tries off couple of errors and it, like the Johnson intercept I have no idea what he was thinking there like he's dug right into the line he's just throwing one of his ass straight to Nick Meaney so you know good teams capitalise off your errors that's one thing and Edward Cosey had an absolute Barry Crocker but there is no way off what I saw in the first half would I have expected to see what we did in the second half 10 tries in 30 minutes and they just absolutely ran a blitz rig it, it felt like they did not have the football the way the ball was moving for Melbourne, the amount of offloads, second phase, moving the point of attack, like that, they were shifting off a sideline for Christ's sake, where usually you're isolated, you can kind of blanket in and trap a team. They were shifting off sidelines and scoring four points. Mm. Um, the current injury from that incident and the Dallin moment, which sort of, you know, was a moment that Brown pointed to in his press conference, and even Bellamy sort of brought up that, you know, players at times when something big like that happens can sort of throw them off. I, I can understand that as well, but there's still no excuse for copying 10 tries in 30 minutes. Yeah, was, yeah, that's right. 10 tries. A lot of people are like, 10 tries in the second half, like it was in the last 30 minutes. It Yeah, the white flag just came out. Pure, You can cut it however you want. The white yeah. flag came out. They quit. Well, at least some players quit. And they, they, they were competitive. But it's no good. That's That's the Bulldogs' mentality, being competitive for 50 minutes. The Warriors are going to demand more of themselves. They, yeah, Melbourne are just ruthless. Once they smelt that blood in the water, they could probably smell that the Warriors, you know, the sting had gone out of their defence and show it was just showtime Melbourne. Yeah, that's an understatement. It was, uh, 
It's like watching a game of Oztag, the way they were moving mm. around, the way they were passing the ball. I was I was really blown away. Like, you know, the thing about that, people, I got so many messages going, how hey, good, like, I found it hard to get excited though because I'm like this. This doesn't seem real. It more seems like you said. That, yeah, you find that hard to get excited about. No, nah, it's yeah, not that. Like, the whole Warriors side of us. Try being a Titans fan. You know, we've, we, you have big wins where you, you put forty or fifty, and you feel like you've sort of it's been worked for. You've broke a team down. That really felt like I said from that moment. They just sort of geared down, or they were almost out of it. They just sort of left that mental space where they were playing a game of football, mm. and it literally turned into a game of touch footy for Melbourne. Um, Cosey, like I said, had an absolute nightmare with his hands. There was a couple there just off errors. But, yeah, I, I thought it was all a little bit too easy, more so than anything that Melbourne did, if I'm just trying to, you know. Yeah. I don't even know how to work. You get trying to where I'm coming from. If you're going from the first half to the second half, first two different uh, mentalities from the Warriors, I, there's no way I would have pictured it getting to 70. Mm. That was uh, something to behold. But the spine was impressive. Everyone had a big part to play. Munster again, uh, that, that's the sort of football you want playing that we've seen the last two or three weeks rather than the first few weeks. And if he keeps doing that, I'm sure, and then they will find a way to get something done. But um, that's the sort of football. Hughes again, Pappenhausen, some of the past selections, some of the moments pushing through, Granite nine, cheese off the back of it. Like I said, what excites me more is watching that spine and the way they link, the joy they have in their football and the thought that if we potentially can get another guy in like a Sims and whatever happens with Tui, there could be a bench of Nelson, Brandon Smith, Kamika Mika, um, and Tarek Sims. Or if the Welch situation, no one knows yet. They think it might have been done. If he's not ready to go, you wouldn't risk it at all. But if there's somehow he's in the lower end of that recovery time and he's ready to go by the back end of the year and we get those couple other guys in, it's a good situation. Yeah, that's nice, for sure. Nice headaches, Dave. So I think Remus... Looked like he had a, a facial fracture. That I don't think it's been confirmed yet, but he's been named this week. So, interesting to see what happens there. Nick Meany, uh, obviously, enjoying his time there. Some good moments. You know, Coates, after a few lean weeks, grabs a four bag. So, he'd be stoked with that. Um, but, yeah, I think we're, like you said, we're going to see more guys. Oh, Moroa had his best run since he's been there as well. He got some minutes out at the end there. Racked up some good meters. So, uh, probably more like we said about a Penrith will like them at the end there. They've, they've got some guys in early who they probably weren't planning on using who have done a pretty good job so far. So mm. building for that origin period, building for situations where they're going to have to call on some guys. Um, but yeah, nice for your for and against, that's for sure. Yeah, definitely. 60 in the bank, Jesus. Um, but for the Warriors, I don't know how you, where you go from there or what you do with that video. You wouldn't, you wouldn't do a lot of videos, surely. That's one where you'd sort of just have to go... Like, I looked at what they did against the Roosters last week and I thought they were a little bit hard done by but I don't think they've been good in every game they've played so far. They've been more than competitive. So yeah. that's why that really surprised me. Um, I'm not saying you, you just instantly bounce back from that, but I expect a lot better this week. I certainly won't expect that against Canberra. Mm. Uh, but we move on from that one. And those reviews brought to you by... Penrosola and bluebet.com.au are now into our tips and previews of the round ahead thanks to bluebet.com.au. There is no one better to have a bet with than the true blue bookie at Bluebet. Download the app today or visit the website www.bluebet.com.au. And for all NRL games, if you back a team head to head and they lead by six points or more at halftime, Bluebet will pay you out as a winner up to $100. Lead by six at halftime. You win. T's and C's apply. Gamble responsibly. How good from bluebet.com.au. 
tips last week. Uh, I got six. You've got five for the season. You're 38. I'm 37. And the charity account, like we said, two weeks in a row. Uh, Dylan Brown, Papali'i, good wins. I wanted to get on Jerome Hughes, but I blew it and forgot. And the odds shortened in real big. So we went Verrills at $5. He had two good cracks, but he got held up both times. So five dollars he was paying no dice but 322.50 in the bank and hopefully we can get straight back on the horse this week but the first game we've got bronco sharks and i think for this one i'm pretty sold on what i'll be doing and i'm sure you will be the same as well but for both teams uh they've named the same lineups brisbane obviously tamari martin probably one i forgot to mention uh, i had written down here when we said before he had a great return after a couple of years, some real critical moments, some small stuff off the ball that was certainly not taken for granted while we called that game on hijack. Um, but he lines up again in the one jersey. They've got their halves pairing locked in for this week again with Reynolds and Gamble. Let's see if they can stay a bit more stable there. And the hooker rotation of Walters and Pake seemed to work. Last week for the Sharks, one change for Nukin returns from his head knock. McInnes back to the bench. Braden Trindle is out and Wade Graham is listed amongst the reserves. So I'll be interested to see how they try to work him back in if he is playing. But Sharks for me, Brock, the way they're playing, um, especially with, like, you look at Brisbane's periods of consistency or what they dished up, say, last week. If they do what they did for the first 40 against a team like Cronulla, they will be down by 20, 30 points themselves. Yeah. Um, Sharkies. Yeah. I think that one's pretty clear cut. And... Bluebet.com.au agree. Brisbane, $3.80 outsiders. $1.26 are the Sharks. Minus 11.5. The line, 1-12 Broncos, 4 dollars for the Sharks. 13 plus, $13 for the Broncos, $1.99 for the Sharkies. Panthers-Titans, the early game, the second game there. Oh, sorry, the first game there on Friday. At home at Seabus, they've moved Brimson back to fullback. Semi returns, goes on to the wing. Herbert back into the centres. Will Smith partners Toby Sexton in the halves and Fafita goes back into the back row on the forward pack. Otherwise, is the same except Kevin Proctor moves back to the bench and Tanner Boyd brought in, obviously there for some hooking relief, you'd assume. Uh, Azarko out of the side and in the reserves against Jaden Campbell, who has been for the last few weeks. So interesting to see what ends up playing out there. Um, on the other side for the Panthers, I'm assuming no changes and surprise, surprise. No changes to that 17, except Sony Luke is now locked into the 14 jersey. He's not wearing a reserves jersey. You'd assume they would stick with that, and I think this could get ugly. Uh, I don't think it'll get ugly, but yeah, I think it'll be comprehensive. So, yeah, I'm uh, interested to see how they start off in particular, but if you don't see the sort of effort they saw early against Parramatta, if they roll out like they did against the Cowboys, it could really take off, but interested to see the sort of fight we see from the Gold Coast this week, because like we said, there's been some real 50-50 games. They could have won four, if not more, by this point in time, but uh, it's about to get a little bit more difficult. And again, they're a team that's going to have a couple of guys play Origin. So if you go into the Origin period on the negative side of things, Tino's most certainly going to be playing for Queensland. You think Fafita would find his way in, and Moeaki will be considered again as well. So if they take all those guys out, it's going to be a real rough trot if they go in there with a bad record. But um, the odds here... With bluebet.com.au, the Panthers hefty favourites at a dollar oh eight. Titans seven fifty minus nineteen and a half the line. One to twelve Titans nine dollars three twenty Panthers thirteen plus Titans thirty one dollars or a dollar forty five. 
for the Panthers. South Manly Friday night clash, uh, a difficult one like we spoke about, given their injury situations at the moment uh, for the Bunnies. There's been a couple of changes. Tane Milne's obviously suspended. Isaiah Tars comes into it, the centres for his second NRL game. Jacob Host out with that shoulder injury. Saliva Harvilli joins the bench, and for now it looks like Hame Sele has been named despite the head knock last week. And for Manly, Martin Tapao returns. Sean Kepi returns, but Andrew Davies out with that AC joint. Tofal Sitley goes back to the bench. Olok Artu suspended. Paseka hurt that knee. So Ben Trevojevic goes onto the bench, and Kurt Deloise. Ethan Bullimore moves from the bench to start in the back row. And Tolotau Kula, who came on for Morgan Harper, who was hooked at half time. Starts in the centres, and Morgan Harper is the 18th man. Um, whew, this is a tough one. Like you got Tars going in, you got Cooler going in, so they've got changes in their back lines. Halves have both got stability. Nine, Tapau and Kepi certainly help, but now their edges are Carl Lawton and Ethan Bullimore. Um, Trebojevic, Deloise, Sipley, they're a bit light on the bench. So this is a hard one. I'm going to go south, but I'm not very confident. Yeah, me too. I'm not confident at all. Um, DC, like playing some really good football, but particularly the combination he struck up with Olakowatu, missing him. I, I thought Bullimore would have a better start there. He was okay, and then he was dropped out completely. But yeah, Lawton and him, uh, and depending on who ends up playing up against Kalal Matungi, I think that's a fair mismatch in terms of uh, mm. who's marking up on him on that edge. He's been having quite a hefty time but getting some middles back certainly helps uh, and, and Tars Tars will be interesting to watch get a start there um, Campbell Gaham plays right so he'll be left side and I think Harper was the right centre which would now be cooler so it'll be cooler up against Tars two young guys going head to head with the odds there with bluebet.com.au South the favourite at this point $1.61 $2.30 for Manly Minus three and a half is the line. One to 12, 315 South, 330 Manly. 13 plus, 310 for South, $6 for Manly. Warriors, Raiders, two teams uh, off the back of a bit of a, a rough weekend, and Canberra in particular going through a much rougher period. I think that's, what, three wins, four losses now for them. Mm. And the the Warriors are... Yeah, certainly a rough, rough trot. Similar situation, but to be beaten by 70. Incredible, but... Stability's been hard to come by, and that's the case again this weekend. Rocco Berry and Viliami Valea are the new wingers. Uh, Arthurs and Pompey are in the centres. In the back row stakes, they've got Tavanga now starting at 13. Otokolo is in the 14, and the return of Elias Katoa and Jack Murchie. And they've brought over Dejan Arce from the Cowboys, who got an immediate release. He's in the reserves uh, for this week, but... There's a couple of guys out. Aaron Panay got suspended. Dallin Watins Lesniak after that concussion. And Curran, who's been their rock this year, is out with that lower leg injury. The severity of that, unknown just yet. But, yeah, they just can't seem to go any week without changes, but let alone multiple changes here. Four for them. For the Raiders, Whitehead comes back in after missing last week. So Harry Rushton, the man who debuted last week, makes his way out to 18th man. And Croker, again, is listed. In the reserves, uh, who do you like in this one, Boxhead? Uh, good question. Here you go. I don't want to do it, but I'm going to do it. They're playing at Redcliffe, and I thought after most weeks I'm they've been go Canberra, pretty man. solid. Bloody hell. 
I don't I'm trust sure either of them. I'm not sure. <laughs> I'm not sure you can recover from. I'll put this one out there. Whatever you do, don't bet on this game. I wouldn't bet on it. No, it's probably sound advice. That's just my opinion, but I think the bookies will have it pretty close at bluebet.com.au regardless of what happened last week. And looking now, they do. The Warriors are slight outsiders at $2. The Raiders are $1.80, minus 1.5 the line. 1-12 to 12 Warriors, 3.20, for the Raiders. 13-plus Warriors, 4.80, for the Raiders. I just have zero confidence in what they've been doing uh, for the last couple of weeks. I know, again, they didn't cop 70, but that's sort of what I'm getting at. That, that second half just didn't feel... Anything close to what we've seen for, you know, six and a half weeks, basically. That 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 thirty minute period, I know it was absolutely relentless by Melbourne and that's what they do, but um yeah. I, I sort of get where you're coming from, but I yeah, I I didn't believe it while I was watching it, let's put it that way. Uh, it was very hard to, to process. Dogs Roosters, important game for both these sides and um the Roosters are uh, sorry, the dogs are about to head into a period where they play some teams probably more comparable to where they are on the ladder, but this one will be a tough test again. Um, after playing, I think they've played all the top six teams from last year and most of who are up at the top end to start this season. Changes-wise, Brent Naden is back. Jake Avrillo also from COVID. Ockenbaugh and Carraza out of the side. Arva Siamana Funai returns on the bench and Billy Securis out as well. For the Roosters, Kevin Nguama comes under the wing with two posts suspended. Ray Hargraves and Radley are back in the starting side. Tokia and Butcher are back to the bench. So realistically, only one change. He's stuck solid again. Uh, looking at the reserves, speaking of that name, ran off of Tony's in 23 and a couple other forwards. We've seen Saluka for Fida. I was surprised that he was brought in for those few games over Fletcher Baker, I thought was doing an okay job. Nafahu White. So there's probably not a lot they can change right now in terms of their middles, bar Renoff. Um, I don't know if you'll go that direction, but I'd expect to see him sooner rather than later. But this has to be a win for the Roosters. They have yeah. to find some confidence from this one. You would think so. If they don't, um, you're definitely, again, starting to get a little bit more worried mm. considering they've played a few sides uh, that you consider, you know, teams that are fringe eight sides or at the back end, and they've now lost to a couple of them. So they're ones, again, with an origin period and working through that hurt you later on. Yeah. So these are the sort of wins they need to be picking up and, to help their foreign against would be nice, but the Dogs have certainly at least showed effort in almost every game they've played so far. Uh, the odds with this one with bluebet.com.au, the Dogs $4.60, the Roosters $1.20, minus 13 and a half the line, 1 to 12 Dogs $5.50, 3.40 the Roosters, 13 plus $17 for the Dogs, $1.79 for the Roosters. I didn't even ask who you're going to tip because I know who you're going to tip. We're both on the Roosters in that yeah. one. Para Cowboys are really looking forward to watching this one, and it's up at Darwin, as they have generally done the last few years. The Parramatta Eels taking the game there. Um, they've gone with the same move they did last week, with Dylan Brown now being named in the centres to let Jacob Arthur play. I had a look to see if they had anyone available in their top 30 without an exemption. So Sam Lozu, I think it was, um, and there was one other player, and not... In their top squad, their development players. Um, who else did I have here? In terms of options, I think, you know, what they could have done otherwise, it seems like they're literally out of outside backs. So hmm. when I saw that last week, I was like, really? But until Sevo or any of these guys are back from injury, uh, that's the direction they've chose to go. 
is Madison too big to play in the centres now, you think? Definitely. Yeah, yeah. definitely. So yeah. they've pretty much gone there out of necessity. I had someone else message me going, could you put Carr right there? I'm like, defensively, there's no way I'd do that. Um, Dylan Brown, obviously a good run of the football, but yeah, they're severely short on some OBs at this point in time. Worked out okay last week, but a tougher opposition this weekend for the Cowboys. It's the same 17 as well, no surprise, but they've had a change last minute the last few weeks with Cotter and Gilbert starting over Hess and Lukey. Uh, who do you like in this one, Brock? Um, Para. Parramatta? Mm. Um, I've gone Cowboys for an upset three times and two of them have paid off. I don't know if this one will, but when did Parramatta play Sunday? Yep. Sunday, and what's this? Is this Saturday sat- night for the Cowboys? Saturday night. So Cowboys would have less travel to Darwin, obviously. So it's probably not as bad for them. Probably a couple of hour flight. I don't know what flight no, is. It'd only, be, it'd only be about an hour across, I would imagine. So from Sydney, it'd be five or six hours, wouldn't it? I don't know. I would think maybe three. I'm going to go the upset. Of course you I'll go the Cowboys. Not with a lot of confidence, but... So far this year, they're probably the only team that I've tipped for upsets that have come off for me. But really good test again, an opportunity uh, like they had against the Roosters. Sydney to Darwin is four and a half hours. For a flight? Yeah. Yeah, all right. So they'll lose a day in travel. Townsville to Darwin is three hours. Okay. So they've got an extra day up their sleeve and they're a little bit closer. But overall, I think this will be one of the better games this round. They'd be travelling early though, surely, did. Do some development. And yeah, I think they would have pretty much turned around straight away. Yeah. But um, the odds for this one sort of surprised me. I thought it would have been a little bit closer, but Parramatta with bluebet.com.au, a dollar twenty six favourite. The Cowboys are three eighty. You can get ten and a half start. Yeah, I don't agree with that. Uh, one to twelve for Para, three dollars, five dollars for the Cowboys, thirteen plus Para, two ten, nine fifty to the Cowboys. Yeah, I, I thought this one would be more. I don't know, four and a half, maybe six and a half, not ten and a half points, but. Uh, we'll see how that one plays out. And then Sunday closes out. Knights up against the Storm uh, in terms of injuries and changes there on the Newcastle side of things. The lineups, where are they? It's struggling to come up here. Dan Gagai is out, as we said, with that confirm- confirmed fractured cheekbone. Brody Jones has been named despite concerns around his elbow, so we'll have to see what happens there. Simi Sasagi. Comes into the centres for Dane Gagai and for the Storm. No surprise. Uh, the only change was one that was made late last week, and that was Chris Lewis, who was the 18th, who came in. He moves back to 18th. Wishart's named in 15. Don't be surprised to see a late change there. Remus Smith has been named despite failing the HIA, so there must be clear to facial fractures or eye socket. It looked pretty bad when he was sitting on the bench yesterday. Yeah. Um, but this one, I don't think needs any explanation. Storm, nope. Newcastle, if they play anything like they did last week, this will be another absolute shellacking, and that's reflected with bluebet.com.au. $8 in the Knights, a dollar out of the Storm, 21 and a half start, 1 to 12, $13 Newcastle, $4 Storm, 13 plus, $36 Newcastle, $1.31 Storm. And the last one, two teams looking to make it three and a half, the terrible starts. It's the Tigers up against the Dragons at Wynn Stadium. For the Dragons, Jack Bird's been named, but I'm pretty sure they've now confirmed he's broke his arm. So he shouldn't be playing. 
I'm assuming what's saying here he's been named for a boost. I swear I read earlier he broke his arm. Yeah. So I don't think he'll be playing. If that's the case, naturally, Amone will come off the bench and they'll get somebody in from the reserves. Uh, Jaden Sewer is going to be out long-term with that ankle injury. So Josh McGuire takes his place in the back row. Terrell Fuamano comes back onto the bench. And for the Tigers, Stafford Toa now moves to fullback with Dane Laurie out with his knee injury. Gildart and Luke Garner are in the centres. Tulungi returns to the back row. And Alex Safar shifts back to the bench. Jake Simpkin is 18th man. A little holds on to his spot. Who do you like in this one? Yeah. Hard uh, one. I'm going to go with the Tigers. Yeah. I'm sort of wanted to go to the Dragons at home, but like Maguire playing on an edge. Yeah. I don't know. Amon coming in for Bird, I don't think's a negative thing. And yeah, the fact they've lost Sewer. Yeah, I'll go to the Tigers of what I've seen the last few weeks. But Shorter turnaround. Mm. Dragons with bluebet.com.au are the favourites at $1.60. The Tigers, $2.35 outside of minus three and a half a line. One to twelve dragons, two eighty-five, three sixty for the Tigers. Thirteen plus for the Dragons is three twenty-five, five seventy for the Tigers. So what have we got here? Warriors Raiders were different, and Eels Cowboys. Other than that, we've tipped the same round. Uh, you're back on for the charity bet because I lost after the two wins. Anything take your eye out of what we've just looked at? No, not at the moment. No, we'll have a look later in the week once we have a bit more information. Early in the week's always a bit hard uh, to make a bet, but hopefully we can get some. Cash back on board. And as always, a huge thank you to bluebet.com.au. If you're going to have a bet with any bookie, do it with the true blue Aussie bookie in bluebet.com.au. And don't forget, all NRL games, back a team head-to-head, and if they lead by six points or more at halftime, Bluebet will pay you out as a winner up to $100. Lead by six at halftime, you win. Terms and conditions apply. Gamble responsibly. Thank you, and let's get some more charity cash. Boxhead, big thank you to Penrose Solar Centre, 1820 2930. Hit him up on the blower today. Visit the website, www.penrosolar.com.au. There is no one better than Jake and the crew there to save you some cash and come off the back fence and smash your power bill. Uh, in terms of any games this weekend on hijack.tv, not too sure. We'll, uh, we'll have a look around our game and what's going on. Um, but the numbers have slowly been going up. Any feedback or if you haven't any issues or any thoughts on the app let us know and we can pass that on to anthony and the crew there at hijack make sure you jump on to the google play store or the app store and download hijack today spelt h-y-j-a-c-k dot tv visit their socials but for now that's another week in the can boxhead let's go to bed sounds good it's bedtime we're gonna have dinner close to midnight mate i forgot to do a bit more buzz when we get a bit later sometimes that stuff comes out of my head but some people have been sending through lately again that they really enjoy when we talk like the buzzard. Mm. But for now, enjoy your week and enjoy your rugby league. Bring it on. Give us more. Give us more. Where are you going? Where, what, 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 what's going on here? Is that it? Is that it?
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.